Welcome, welcome to our ninth episode of Chats with Black-Owned Businesses. This episode, we get insight about starting and scaling a transportation business up to 15 contractors. Faithful Mobility Transport is co-owned by Rui and Fabiola Francois, a beautiful Black Haitian couple from Orlando, Florida, creating success in their own lane. Rudy talks about growing in faith and experiencing increase in wealth through giving. There are a lot of gems in this one, so enjoy. How we doing? My name is uh, Rudy, Rudy Francois, and uh, I operate Faithful Mobility Transport along with my wife. And we specialize in non-emergency medical transport. And what that is specifically is being able to transport individuals that need extra assistance, whether it's wheelchair or stretcher, uh, for mobility issues to go to the hospital or go to assisted living facilities or anywhere they need to go. Um, we work in that space to help assist uh, individuals with mobility needs to get to where they need to go to uh, with our specialized vehicles. So that's that's the name of the game. How did you start your business? Absolutely, man. Well, it's a funny story, man. Um, I always preface it as uh, I'm a man of God because that intertwines with everything we that we do. So I'll give you a quick glimpse. It's a funny story, but how it came about. Uh, you know, I was in the banking industry. I wanted to be a financial advisor, right? I've had 30 plus jobs in my time of living, man. So I've always jumped from job to job, kind of looking for the bigger, better deal. And what happened as a result of my last specific job, you know, I got to the point where I was just like, okay, God, you need to direct me career path. I've been jumping around. I've been trying to figure it out all on my own. So God, direct me in my career path. So what happened was I got favored to be in this job position because the job prior to when me and my wife first got married, I'm the best performer. And uh, my regional manager comes in is like, either you, uh, um, I'm gonna fire you. Or I'm gonna fi- find a way uh, to get you to quit. Right. Just uh closed door meeting just like that right so uh and that's just right when me and my wife just got married you know uh we got our first, we paid our first mortgage bill which was insane right so um i ended up transitioning from that job to a new job at fifth third bank at the top again going aligning up with the goals of financial advisor and just kind of work my way up the ladder right and um you know probably a year in a can same symptoms. I'm working hard. I'm not seeing uh, any promotion. You know, they're saying you're doing a good job. I'm performing. My numbers are there, but I'm not seeing any growth in corporate America, man. So I'm like, okay, God, you know what? I could jump again. Just let me know what to do. Um, I don't fast often, but I went on a specific fast because our church was undergoing a fast. Uh, This fast was specific for career moves. Uh, And in career moves, I was praying specifically, God, either direct me or show me a sign, you know, so on and so forth. (laughs) Funny thing is, during this, I think it was like a three-day fast or something of that nature. And uh, my specific prayer was, God, show me where I need to go career-wise. Maybe day two, some guy comes in, literally sits in my office and just prophetically speaks to me, right? So he's like, hey, you know, God is going to give you a business plan, so on and so forth. I knew it was on point because that's exactly what I was praying for. So this guy comes and he's like, hey, God's going to give you a business plan. And I'm not really thinking much of it, but it's speaking to me because I'm like, God, thank you for that answering these prayers. So that happens. And literally, 
that was around the same time me and my wife were going to celebrate our one year anniversary. Uh, I used to help a lot of people build credit, you know, through the banking industry and I built my credit. So I had a substantial amount of credit cards thinking I really wanted to flip homes, right? So I'm always mm-hmm. kind of engineering ways, yo, how can I make some extra money because this is not cutting it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always trying to engineer ways of like, how can I get extra income? So not knowing that credit card was really going to be the foundation of the capital investment that I needed to start this business. I didn't even know we were going to get to non-emergency. I had a list of various businesses I kind of wanted to start. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what happened is within that month, I started kind of talking to my dad-in-law uh, and my dad. I was like, hey, I kind of want to start this non-emergency. They have a background in transportation, taxi specifically. Mm-hmm. So like, yo, you know what? If you do that, let me know. I was like, oh, okay. Not, again, not thinking anything about it. <laughs> so uh, on year one of me and my wife about to celebrate our anniversary on a cruise, the day before, and this all is going to make sense. It's all going to connect. <laughs> so the day before my dad calls me, he's like, hey, my old boss is selling a wheelchair vehicle. Come check it out. I was like, all right, bet. All right, so I check it out. I was like, okay, cool, cool. All right. And he's like, I already made a deposit. I was like, whoa, I didn't even talk to my wife about it, right? <laughs> I didn't even talk to my wife about it. So the next day we go on a cruise and then I'm like, baby, you know, uh, because if not, I just, hey, dad, you got to get your money back. Uh, He's like, hey, you cover the rest, right? So I was like, you know, I'd have to break down the news to him. But the next day on the cruise, I'm like, hey, baby, I'm really interested in starting this non-emergency. She's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, right? On the cruise, I think day two of the cruise, I'm working out. We meet this dude, my wife comes in and we're like, yo, what do you do? He's like, I'm in non-emergency medical transportation in North Carolina, right? So we get to talking, he kind of gives us some basics and she's like, okay, I'm in. And I was like, oh, by the way, we already have a deposit on the car. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of been moving since then, you know? So um, just every step, you know, just learning and moving and kind of growing, man. Uh, uh, I say the first year or two, we really had no movement. You know, it was really just building a business, uh, getting contracts with brokers. We really, nothing was moving yet, you know? And I think year three, things just started expanding and uh, now we're in a great position. Um, You know, me and my wife do it full time, you know, um, we're now able to pay back using, again, those credit cards that we utilize because typically as a Black uh, business, you know, it's very difficult to get funding. And this is coming from me working in a bank to get funding for just coming with a business plan. You know, sometimes you got to prove your concept prior to. So uh, again, I, I leverage credit cards. I'm not saying that's the best thing for everybody to do, but it was just a means to start. We're going to go back to your childhood. What did you see or didn't see that shaped your idea of wealth and entrepreneurship? I've been blessed to have mom and dad in my life, but uh, my background is I'm Haitian and we kind of grew a certain way, man, uh, with money. Money was always tight. <laughs> I don't know why it was just always tight. Uh, so one of my kind of one of the things I wanted to outgrow is never not having enough. We always had just enough. It taught me a lot because it taught me resilience, how to kind of make do with not having. So it really teaches you a lot, but also kind of breaking kind of that uh, lack mentality, I would say, which is kind of difficult when you don't have a lot. Some Sometimes you kind of get in this scarcity mentality, mm-hmm. right? How are we going to do this? So I had to break that uh, using the faith of God, really, uh, to still think bigger. But at the same time, uh, that was super helpful because it allowed me to make things work where 
you know, I do, I do believe if I started this business with a lot of money, it wouldn't have been functioning the way it is because I couldn't problem solve. I couldn't use ingenuity. Sometimes you think you could just throw money at a problem. That's, that's not necessarily going to build your business. Right. So, um, it really taught me some resilience, I think early on, but, um, yeah, my background has shaped me out. And plus, I seen my dad and my mom, you know, just work hard, honestly. You know, my, my mom was a CNA. So if you know anything about that, you're wiping people's butts. <laughs> you know, you're caring for people. Um, it's a very thankless job. But uh, she did that uh, sometimes, oof, like 10 hours a day. And I saw my dad initially was in the trucking business and then got into taxi again, worked 13, 14 hours, you know. So work ethic was something I kind of saw from them. Um, and it was just my responsibility uh, for my generation to bring, bring that work ethic. But more importantly, with the work ethic, uh, be able to break through and financially get more um, for the work that you're putting in. So my relationship, I, didn't, I was never taught about money. Yeah. I had to make my own mistakes. I had to go to college, uh, do all my own things, and still even, as I was married, made massive financial mistakes, man. But being able to recover and get into a place where um, now I'm personally learning about finances because now I'm not just responsible for me. I'm literally responsible for, you know, up to like 15 employees to make sure there's food on their table, <laughs> you know? So now it really shifts um, in terms of responsibility. I can't just blow that money quick. It's not just my money mm -hmm. I'm dealing with, you know? So um it made me resilient but also i didn't have the financial kind of backing or understanding of money they never really talked to me about that uh they survived they made sure there was food on the table but i really didn't understand money until i kind of went out on my own so for me i was indoctrinated in uh, uh the christian philosophy of give and it'll, it'll be given Press down, shaking together, running over. What that means is um, I started applying that in my life through tithing and giving, right? I was tithing where I had probably like, you know, and at first I didn't believe in it. I was like, okay, this is a hoax for people to get your money. But when I had to realize it was just a trust factor with God and I put him to the test with it and I saw how he covered us. So, man, I, if I was tithing maybe $2, that means at one point, I mean, that means I was getting maybe 100 or whatever that uh, $20 coming. So I had to start pr trusting him in that process of really not having any, mm -hmm. especially after I graduate college. There's this, you know, thing that, hey, this should be smooth. I should be getting, you know, career options, so on and so forth. So um, that was also a time where it allowed me to, sorry, trust God. And what I mean by that is it broke some type that that black mentality. So I had to prove it in my life. Again, some people could believe it, some people don't. I'm just, you know, sharing my personal experience. So as I was giving through my tithing and just through my giving, it really protected us and insulated us uh, through a lot of issues where on paper it's like, yo, how'd you make it? But, um, <laughs> seriously, man. And it's like, you know, God came through. Like uh, when we came from two to one income, um, because we had some challenges with my wife's pregnancy. So it came literally from uh, two to one income. So it was two incomes supporting what the house used to make. And now it became one income because she had to be on bed rest uh, for us to successfully have our kid. You feel me? So now how do we cover that? So, I mean, God, man, when I tell you, 
like there was a hurricane that came through and again we don't wish any bad but man that that five thousand dollar check that came for as a result of the insurance money covered us for two months right I just call that the grace of God, the favor of God, right? Um, when we had to transition from me coming from a full-time job to working full-time business because it made sense, you know, how did I have the confidence to do that? It was truly through my giving. So I had to break this lack mentality um, because most of the time we grow up, if you don't have as much, you hoard everything. You're like, yeah, nah, ain't nobody going to get this, right? That's my so, issue. I would not lie. So preach on nah, that. No, it's... I'm, it, it's it's natural. It's natural because you don't have enough. So you automatically go to calculating, right? Mm -hmm. So most people don't believe uh, you, you're a business person without even because of your life experience, because you're always calculating. You have to make sure, how am I going to get through the month, right? So not having enough, you're already doing, believe it or not, a PL in your mind to say, hey, this is my profits, this is my loss, how am I going to make it from month to month? Mm -hmm. And that's on the personal side, right? So how you transition that, it says, as a man thinks, so is he. So to be able to transition that from the personal to the business, it's really the same mindset. Right. So I had to break some, you know, quote unquote, poverty mindsets mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know what, God got us. We're going to go not being crazy, though. You know, so <laughs> there's a balance. You feel me? There's that's <laughs> truly a balance. But for me to get out of that mindset, uh, again, I had to be indoctrinated. Um, we're hearing a lot of faith in that area, hearing a lot of different podcasts, like uh, what you're doing, developing uh, how we built this and all that, because there's a common thread that they didn't. They didn't just make it. it. It wasn't all smooth, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I can say now we're in a position that it was. I'm not worrying about payroll. <laughs> I'm not worrying about. So that's a blessing. But the first three years, I mean, the first two times we couldn't pay our employees. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know. Luckily, we had some ride or die troopers with us, and yeah. said, hey, you know, can we get you on a Monday or Tuesday? After two or three times of doing that, people are going to lose confidence and they're going to say, where are we going to get our money, right? Mm -hmm. So really no, knowing that there are some hurdles, uh, but you'll overcome them as you let your mentality change. And if you're uh, willing to change with it, you know, so getting out that scarcity, scarcity mentality, again, whether it's God or whatever belief system you have to know that it's going to get better. You feel mm -hmm. me? And actually realizing that you have to, you have to change. You have to evolve. A lot of people think um, the mentality that helped them survive, you know, in the past is what they still is going to what's going to help them get through and push through the, um, you know, in the future. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes you, you sometimes you got a lot. You got a lot. You got to let go a lot. Yeah. Let go to actually push through and evolve. Man, I tell you, in business, the biggest, you know, initially everybody goes in, obviously, for the promise of money, right? You want to make more money. But in the development process is who you become. And that is what, you know, I, I can even attest to myself who I was prior, like four years ago, to even how I handle a situation, whether it's employees or whatever it may be. I mean, we just had someone just quit on us, right? So before I would have take that straight to heart, I'm like, yo, forget you then leave, right? <laughs> so part of growing is like, no, I actually want the best for you. Um, you know, we're always here in, in terms of uh, uh, friendship, but I do want the best for you, man. So even seeing how I've grown as a person there, um, you know, it, it's all part of the growth process. And then the money will come. Mm -hmm. uh, it's truly having a passion, you know, not just getting into business, just getting into business. Uh, but 
you know, that passion behind it is what drives, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, you know. And as far as hurdles, I want to go back and see if there's any other hurdles you want to share with us. But one of the ones that you said was um, having to ask you, your employees to just wait. So if you could let us know some creative solutions that you basically got through those humps. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, the model of how our business operates is kind of like a net 30, net 60. What that means is we get paid every 30 to 60 days. So um, cash flow wasn't as immediate as some businesses. So to handle that, one of the things that we luckily did is we had a partnership with uh, one of the uh, a broker that works with the schools. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing school trips and the benefit to that was pay us week. So that helped increase our cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing in, that helped us as well is going directly to consumers because we contract with assisted living, we contract with, you know, uh, facilities, but we weren't going to consumers, but consumers pay right there and then. So again, that's uh, helped us with our cash flow. So finding ways in your business to get cash flow immediately, maybe it might be direct to consumer um, instead of business to business. Mm -hmm. So having a combination of all those things, because literally not just one thing is just going to work, but having a combo of all those things is what eventually helped us uh, get out the cash flow issue. Because again, initially, again, I was using a lot of credit to finance things, but once you tap out a credit now it's like you just need to use straight cash (laughs) so at that point of time you have to be able to uh, 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 look at your business and say hey what is working and how can we increase because it's it's a cash flow game at that point Mm -hmm. you have enough to cover so uh, the school was a benefit to us uh, twofold because um, I was able to pay the the drivers a little bit more um, because of the school, uh, but it helped us immediately because it created cash flow every week. We knew we were getting a guaranteed check as a result of that. And then also going directly uh, straight to consumers because there's consumers looking and they'll pay you whether it's, de- well, we take strictly debit or credit card now. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you know that you'll have that cash in two to three days. Mm-hmm. So that helps cover the gap to make sure until we started building and then that didn't become such an issue um, anymore. But um, early on, we started again, my father-in-law, I think my father, which was tough to work with. Uh, <laughs> I love that man, but yeah, he was a tough guy, man. Uh, and some other people, but they were almost family, so they could understand a little bit um, to say, okay, you know what, we'll give you a pass uh, one or two times. But for me as a business owner, it's like, I want to keep the confidence yeah. of my employees to say, uh, or my contractors, I should say, um, um, to ensure that they know they're going to get paid. So now we, luckily we don't have that hurdle. They know every two weeks we actually just did direct deposit. So they know that money's coming in, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but before, you know, luckily we just had a good team early on that was understanding. And I think it happened maybe less than a handful of times, probably like three, four times, maybe. Uh, and then they got paid maybe Monday or Tuesday instead of Friday. Right. Uh, because we were waiting on checks to come in. There's a lot of times uh, checks came in that same Friday to be able to pay everybody <laughs> and you get paid last. Right. So you yeah. gotta, you, the raw reality is before you start making a profit, turning a profit, you gotta make sure everybody around you is happy because they're making the operation move. So yeah. there's many days 
uh, you push back your payments, you know, you push back the things you got to pay for to ensure everybody else is good. Uh, and that's, again, part of management is like, mm, well, we got we got this $15,000 check. I know we could just cover our bills real quick, but no, you're going to now lose the confidence of the people that are working hard. You got to ensure that they get paid. So pay them and then the rest will flow in. And to speak on that, man, truly uh, the perspective of how you see uh, an area opportunity, I'll call it, how you see trouble is you can you can shrink or you could grow from it and, and literally learn. I mean, we got a tax audit, so, I mean, like oh, so many different things, tax audit uh, last year, you know, like an $8,000 tax receipt, like, hey, you owe this money. I'm like, bruh, right? <laughs> but that forced us now to go get a certified CPA, right? Mm -hmm. Someone outside of your business now to help us structure our business. Uh, now, as a result, now you're starting to make money. I never knew this. Now structure as an escort because now how you as a business owner takes on uh, your payments, half of it is taxed as salary, the other is as dividend, right? Mm -hmm. So you actually get a tax savings. So one thing I would definitely say is um, uh, I launched into business kind of blindly, which I'm happy I did because I learned on the fly. Uh, so you're one of two people. You're uh, either action or your analysis paralysis. What that means is you're thinking, thinking, and you, you're. it's hard for you to just jump out, right? So the balance of me and my wife is she analyzes more and I'm just go, let's, let's go, right? But that balance really does help us out because she could foresee things that I can't. But sometimes I push an envelope to allow us to to grow there's certain things if we if we didn't do we'd still be at the thinking phase right so one thing i would absolutely say is um, um in your thinking phase um walk your business through as if you had the money most of the time money is truly not the hurdle most people think it is but walk through your business what would the insurance cost right uh, sit down with uh, someone as a cpa although it might be a hundred dollars if i went back um, that would have saved me maybe $2,000 of hiring a, a, a lawyer. But now how do I structure this business, right? Uh, do I have employees? Do I have contractors? What are the benefits? Now, if you have employees, you know, are you paying uh, W-2, I mean, uh, a worker's comp versus if you have contractors, you're not paying anything. At the end of the year, you give them 1099. How do you structure a business? So kind of walk through uh, someone to say, what's the best way of structuring this? So. Uh, three years in, you're not having to deal with a tax audit issue, but that helped us grow because now we could fully structure it's like, okay, nah, this is the best way we're going to move. So truly, again, it's just that faith that keeps me driving and, and God always gives me a promise that everything's going to be all right. So if I utilize that um, and keep that moving, I know everything's going to be smooth, you know, but adversity is an area for you to grow. So when it does come, I believe it's just saying, God, I'm, God is saying, I'm alerting you to this so you can grow. It's not an area to shrink back. So depending how you perceive it, um, God is just saying, hey, I want you to see this before you get bigger and this becomes a bigger issue. So that's how I kind of perceive uh, trouble or issues. Man, I have 15 people that work for me. And at the moment, again, I, I'm all about diversity, but for the moment being, um, all of them are black, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and all of them are getting paid pretty decently and are pretty happy, right? Yeah. So 
I am now contributing in my personal opinion to helping feeding and creating economic opportunities. Um, and there was a study that showed this when you have more black entrepreneurs, there's more black opportunities for a career, right? Because we typically hire within the network we know, mm. right? So the network I knew is some of the taxi drivers and they started referring me people. Right. So that's how I could be a benefit. And I'm not saying that's going to be the only way, but mm -hmm. I could know that, hey, you know what? I feel good at night. You know, someone gets a, a, a $2,000 check that wouldn't normally get that mm -hmm. every two weeks. That's a huge contribution. You see what I'm saying? So um, I feel good on both sides because it's like, wow, God, you're using me to be literally a funnel um, to provide this, you know what I'm saying? So again, black, white, it really doesn't matter, but specifically, I know I want to impact people within my community. And this is one effective way. Now, if I could get partners on the outside that could do, as long as you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 Hey, I'm not adverse to it. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, I, truly partner with someone that, hey, if you know what you're doing and, you know, I get insight and then, you know, this is not going to put us in a predicament uh, to be in any trouble in the future, that's rock and roll, man. But on a personal side for what our business is doing, uh, you know, the employees mean so much to me, to us and how we're impacting their lives and their families is huge so far. Nice. Your account was the one who was basically able to tell you how to structure as far as like, it's not employees that you have, it's contractors that you have. Well, we always set them up as contractors before because as contractors, and this was kind of early on, but it, it was truly how I structured it. So uh, uh, independent contractors, again, one of the benefits you're not paying, but now for a contractor, they have to come in with their own quote unquote equipment, right? Mm -hmm. But the way we're kind of set up, although sometimes we have the vehicles and equipment, we're almost set up like a Mears model. And Mears is a company in uh, Orlando, um, and they're a taxi company, and they rent out their vehicles. But the mm -hmm. people that work for them are still independent contractors. So we almost follow that same model, or someone could come in with their own vehicle, and then we just contract them out just like that, uh, maybe put our emblem and all that. Uh, but that was early on. But you know, we had to show that that accounting was helpful to show, okay, cover your basis, show a rental agreement mm -hmm. so you could keep it as a, a contractor or do this or move it there. Because when that IRS, they could audit you and say, no, no, no. In reality, they're W-2s because you have the equipment or you have this and that, right? So the, the CPA was now able to help me say, no, no, no this is the best structure mm -hmm. so you can keep it within that model. Because now, if we don't do that, now we have to pay workers comp. We have to pay all these various things. Uh, so then we wouldn't be able to pay them as well as we pay them. We would have to go back to a model what the industry is doing is paying like $12 an hour. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? So then there's going to be high turnover with my, uh, our drivers, you know, and that's a, another headache. You know, you don't want to be recruiting. You know, that's too much to deal with while your the business is just flowing. You feel mm -hmm. me? So um, that's why we kind of use their advice on how to make sure we're in the best structure. What are some things that you wish you knew before starting your business? Mm. I think I kind of touched base on this. I would have, I would have started it from the end to the beginning. What that means is um, if I knew whatever business I decide to start next or whatever venture I do, uh, the first thing I want to make sure is like, how am I going to get money from that? Let's, let's just say it's assisted living facility, right? Mm -hmm. How, okay. How does that generate money? 
what are the different ways it generates money, right? Do you get paid through the state? So write that down and figure out how that works, right? And from there, go back. Okay, if you were to start this business, what what insurance requirement, what state and local requirements are needed? Okay, this is all stuff um, before you even have spent a dime. Mm-hmm. Now you could create a plan because you could say, okay, boo, I didn't know insurance was $10,000 a month, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first mistake I made as a business owner, again, using my credit cards, uh, we had to go through a broker. So you had to do a credentialing process, right? So part of the credential process, you need uh, insurance, right? I put the insurance as one of the first things. Their credentialing process took close to seven months. So every month, uh, of insurance was about a thousand some change. So I literally wasted $8,000. So if I knew that before, man, I would have put the insurance at the very end once they're ready for that. You see what I'm saying? So again, finding out what all the credentials are and what's necessary and when you need to spend that, I truly believe even if you don't have it, uh, uh, God's going to flow when you need it. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of times we kind of prepare like, man, I don't have this to go. No, just go with what you have and more will be added um, as you're kind of growing through your journey. You see what I'm saying? So I would say plan everything out, find out the insurance, find out what the state requirement is, find out what the local requirement is, because there might be hurdles that you go through. For example, on a local side, uh, when we started our business, we had to shut down for like two months because we didn't know you needed a local um, a license to operate this, right? In uh, in Orange County, right? Mm-hmm. So now that slows down or interrupts business, and you're just trying to pick up momentum. So just truly understand, you know, your business on the state, local. When I say that, you don't have to go deep in research, man. Just again, find out what insurance requirements, find out what requirements is necessary for your industry. Um, what are you doing right now to improve your business? Trying to figure out how we can intensify the quality because we, 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 uh, we deal with people, right? So each interaction uh, is, I, in my opinion, is make a break and that's really what grows our business. So um, it's hard to do, um, but create a system of, for example, if a driver comes in, how do they introduce themselves? How do they, you know, how do they ask the person, hey, I'm here to help you out without, you know, that pure communication. Uh, and then some of the people that we have, again, um, because of my background, because of the network I have, are of Haitian descent and are much older. So there might be that, uh, uh, not a language barrier, one, but it could be, uh the way they say something in our culture, we, you know, it's like, okay, we understand it's all love, but Mm -hmm. to someone else, man, that sounds really aggressive, right? So how to coach to that to say, oh no, don't say it like this, just approach it like this, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, it could sound rough. And then again, uh, just really coaching to quality because with quality, you'll grow. People will talk about you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, they're on time. Um, The the drivers were nice and they picked me up on time Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what are the hurdles of our industry, right? So some of the time someone could be for dialysis uh, and it's not our company, but hey, someone might be left two to three hours to come pick them back up, right? Because they're so packed with their manifest for the day. So ensuring, okay, how do we avoid that? So maybe we send the same driver, you're responsible for picking up the A leg and the B leg 
so you make sure that customer gets home safely and at a reasonable time. So quality control um, there, and then eventually we'll expand to like, you know, going to contracts and getting more facilities. But before we do that, just want to clean that up because if we do grow, you know, you don't want to be like, you know, so quality control, man. At, at, like I'm not only in my, out on the field, but we have constant meeting, constant. And the barrier with me is I'm, uh, they call me a yank basically. So <laughs> although I'm Haitian descent, you know, my Creole is a little tough. So it, it sometimes it could be even hard for me to translate and talk the concept to our team, but to be able to let them know. So how I have to really show that is, hey, this affects everybody's money, right? So if you're poor in this area, this is gonna affect the number of trips you get. So remember, they don't get paid per hour, they get paid per trips. Mm -hmm. So I incentivize them, okay, if you mess this up, I wish, you're just lowering the amount of trips, but there's someone else that could do it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's almost been the balance. And I have to, because everybody's so different, right? So for me, you could tell me something straight up, I, I might not get offended, right? Everybody's so different. So managing the different employees, some people, you know, hey, buddy, how you doing today? You know, you want something to eat? And some people are like, yeah, hey, I need you to do this and they respond to it. So knowing who and how they respond or if someone's going to shut down, you know, that's kind of knowing your employees uh, as you speak to them. And some people just like praise. Hey, you're doing a good job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then also being real when they're not doing a good job. That's important, too, to say, hey, you know what? I'll give you an example. One of our drivers, he's a great driver, but uh, he was waiting on someone. And sometimes it does take a little bit of waiting because he's older people. Mm -hmm. And he, like, waved his hand and it's like, hey, come on, hurry up, right? Because I understand his side because he has a schedule to go by. So he doesn't want to slow his schedule up, but they don't understand that. They don't see that, right? They just see, man, this is you're rushing a person. Uh, they're elderly, you know, show them the care and compassion. So I have to show them there's a way to approach it. You know, you could say, hey, you know, do you know how much longer we have left? Uh, I have another trip coming up. Um, if I need to come back, that's what I'll have to do. Or my dispatch is telling me to go. So trying to coach on how to approach it versus like, hey, let's go. We got to go. There's the next trip to go, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the sensitive sensitivity I'm really trying to grow on because I think we're doing a good job, but uh, you can never coach too much to how to treat because it's not intuitive for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. You scaled your business up to 15 employees. Can you let us know yeah. how you did that? How so, was that? I, so I'll say this, like I said, um, eight of them are, well, probably like seven to eight are really our core. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is they do the non-emergency side or the um, they do the wheelchairs, the stretchers, the hospital. But the rest during the school season, I've um, recruited some people and they strictly do the schools. Right. So I give them a cut and they just pick up the students in the a.m. in the afternoon. Um, so the rest, the 15 kind of lies in there. But the core people is really about seven to eight. Uh, and the rest is, is the school. I kind of tell them what to do. The first three weeks is just making sure everything's smooth. And once that's that's done, it's automated. But I like that because if I see some potential on that side, I could recruit them, you know, in between they might do Uber, they might go home, they might do whatever they want to do. But if I see some potential, I use that almost as recruiting to say, hey, come on this side and then tell them how much they could potentially make on this side. And if they like it, great. If they don't, no hard feelings, we just keep on moving. A lot of our employees grew from 
personal referrals, which I love um, because then, you know, if someone's not up to par, I could go to the person that referred them like, hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it, it still feels like a family, which it is. Um, and it's still pretty intimate, um, which it is. So everybody kind of understands, you know, as we kind of grow bigger, um, I hope we don't lose that. And uh, maybe we'll train people with the capacity of how to train others and then kind of grow it out that way. You feel me? Nice. And how has COVID hit your business? Be um, if it has, because um, yeah. you said you were doing schools, so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for the longest time with the schools, they just were up in the air. Um, but um, now they're starting to pick up. And come January in Orange County, you're going to either have to choose virtually, uh, but most people are going to have to go back to school, right? So um, right now we're doing okay because most of our people have a route. Um, but how COVID affected the other side of business is, uh, mind you, a lot of people used to go to doctor's appointments on so forth. So it really, it halted there from the day to day, because if they have to come back to the facility, they have to be quarantined uh, close to 15 days before they get back to general population, right, yeah. uh, with the rest of the individuals. But where we've picked up, surprisingly, is a lot of hospital trips. Uh, the network from hospital to assisted living or hospital to home um, has picked up. And I don't think it's per se strictly because of COVID, um, but that's kind of been our niche lately. Um, and then during the days, we do have a few gaps with like the dialysis or the people that have special needs that they can't miss those appointments, we cover those. But outside of that, uh, we've actually grown this year, believe it or not. Um, right. So yeah, yeah. So all glory to God. So it's just, just keep on moving, man. It's like, in your opinion, what role does Black ownership plays in Black lives actually mattering in America and the world at large? Uh, everybody has a position and place in terms of, uh, I truly think your purpose, right? Um, and I think my purpose speaks through what we do and then again, the impact uh, on a micro level with my employees. And eventually once I get enough influence, how I could impact the community at whole, right? Uh, so for me to do that, I'm building the influence necessary. I'm building, you know, I'm just heads down working because at one point I'd love to do something, especially for uh, uh, young black males to create opportunities entrepreneurship opportunities where we could fund it, you launch it, and if it gets legs of its own, you go. We don't need anything back from that, but you go, and now you're self-sufficient. Now you've learned how to fish. Nobody has to teach you, uh, uh, or nobody has to uh, uh, provide you with fish. You've, you're self-sufficient. So that's huge to me. Uh, but for me to get to that point of influence, uh, there needs to be some substance to say, Oh, this is what he did, and this is the backing. So if I did something prematurely, although obviously as a young black man, man, I done dealt with a lot of stuff through racism, uh, through so many things, right? Even how I have to approach going into facilities to get contracts, right? Uh, early on this year, uh, you know, I'm growing out my hair, but uh, it was a subconscious move to cut my hair because I had a, a hospital contract. And I didn't want to seem unprofessional. And that was just a personal decision that I had to make. I was like, you know what? Great opportunity, but let me just cut my hair because not everybody might understand or feel the same way. You know what I'm saying? So 
Uh, my opinion with Black Lives Matter is obviously it impacts me directly, right? Mm -hmm. So how I impact and where I want to make be the biggest agent of change is how to teach other people and how, how to show other people it is. You could do it. <laughs> you could create for yourself, right? Because the first thing is financial lack. Once you're able to have a positive positive impact and knowing I can create money for myself, mm -hmm. right? Then you understand your value. So if we could do that, not only within the black community, uh, but expand that within that community, now you just fed a family. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with, like I said, my employees, right? I treat them well. Uh, they get paid well. I, I, I see it as I'm impacting the small community that I know before I get to a bigger scale. When I get to a bigger scale, man, hey, I can have the influences of the LeBrons and all that, creating yeah. schools, you know, because they've done a great job with their platform, right? But I'm creating my platform. And in doing that, I think my responsibility now is always empower those with, uh, around, always give knowledge, which is huge, because most of us, you know, within the network outside, uh, there's a knowledge base that says, you know how to do this, right? So someone, yo, Rudy, how do you do this? So from the stuff I learned, this is how I was able to get an SBA loan, mm -hmm. being credit challenged. This is what I, you know what I'm saying? So when it comes to knowledge and trying to get you out there, bro, come to me uh, and you don't have to pay. I'm not going to give you a consulting fee because I want to see you go out there and be able to fish for yourself and produce for yourself. Right. Um, so that's huge. We, we've had a lack of knowledge within our community. You know, how do we build credit? Right. How is credit impactful to, to getting capital? Right. So I, I could be a conduit to that, but also on a micro level, the people that could affect, again, it goes back to employees. Can I know that, man, if I could get this person five to $6,000 a month or even $4,000 a month or, or three but ten, but ten, uh, pertaining on the amount of work they do, that, that's feeding someone. And especially in this climate right now, God has been able to bless me to say, you know what, we're feeding and mostly right now, as a result of the impact. Now, again, I want a huge diversity in our company, right? Uh, you know, I want mostly ethnic, you know what I'm saying? I'm not just seeing just black, but right now the people I impact, uh, we're 100% black uh, 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 operated business, mm -hmm. which is huge. So that means the people we're feeding right now, uh, they're feeding kids. They're, so that's how I see the impact, right? And then I'm not afraid to speak on it because man, I've been impacted by, uh, psh, by um uh, by criminal backgrounds that I had to clean up right and all these different things so if someone could really know my story and they're like dang bro so I could start a business too right so if they knew some of the things I've been through uh, it does give hope it does give opportunity you know what I'm saying um, and same thing I want to feed that to my son and I want my son to grow this business and hopefully we're transporting people via helicopters and airplanes no, seriously like uh, one of the principles I learned is giving you know what i'm saying and through giving uh we started expanding through my personal giving whether uh it's through my church association or through any association so that philosophy is not going to go away so whether it's black lives matter or uh, giving to the people that we impact when you hear the stories of man i used to be able to walk i can't walk no more i hate relying on people right giving them hope on the trip going to the hospital coming from the hospital so giving them all functions. So if I could be able to say on my side, you know, uh, we grew, but we're going to continue giving. That's a philosophy. So whether it's in the Black community, which is a must for us, right? Yeah. Um, 
but giving all in general how that impacts and then change people's lives. So it could be done through industry, it could be done through business. So that's, you know, that's kind of my philosophy, man. But we don't understand the power of the black dollar, mm. um, not only within the community, but how it impacts, you know, a lot of, uh, I believe a lot of companies are really now saying black lives matter because they know when they look at their bottom dollar, how much money comes from the black community. So of course it makes sense on the business side to say black lives matter because you want to support that because it's financially lucrative to you. See mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So if we could create more entrepreneurs and then they have value. Um, and I, you know, my personal opinion, everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. right now, but the people that are, again, you can be impacting how many jobs that are out there, right? Um, And how you impact your job because of your background, right? So because of my background, because of being in 30 plus jobs and not not feeling growth opportunities, how am I now going to impact my employees? Now, I might not have this completely done, but how can I have them feel like, hey, I'm not just stuck at a dead end job? How can I potentially grow? Now, I don't have the answer to that, but that's something I'm thinking of, and God will help me uh, 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 get some wisdom on how they could feel that. Because again, I started my job as a result of kind of the back. I mean, this. I mean, uh, the business as a result of you know not having opportunities in corporate America. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So if we could create that again. Uh, whether you're the entrepreneur, you could be a catalyst for people feeling impacted in the work that they do. Then, man, there's so many dimensions you could impact or help, you know, and just even seeing someone just look at you, you know what I mean? To say, wow, you're doing it. And your skin colors look just like mine's, right? Your nose look just like mine's, right? Yeah, the big lips like mine's, right? <laughs> I like to joke around a lot, but it's true though, because how many, how many times do we see that in our own community? We don't mm-hmm. ever see that as often. And if it is there, it's not, there's this barrier of, again, information yes. um, where I, as a young black man, I would love to reach out to an older, successful black man to say how you've done it. But sometimes I feel like once we get our success, we dip, we leave. We mm. just, okay, me and mine's are good, right? And again, the biggest barrier is knowledge, right? How do you, again, start your business? How do you get a loan? How do you approach the banks, right? How do you, like, how do you, again, set up your company? What are those steps? So again, my future goal, one thing I would love to do, and I know, you know, you'd help me out with that, is create a platform for young black entrepreneurs to be able to do that so they could question. And I'm not just talking about, hey, they, they've done well in college. Let's talk about going to the hard hit areas, uh, uh, the hard hit communities and saying, no, you got potential to be a business owner, even when they don't see it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I invite you out. And at the end of six months or a year, if you cultivate that, you've, we could give a 5,000, 10,000 capital boost. And now that's your own business. Yeah. How huge would that be? That's something that I can't wait to see more of is just more people talking about the important of, importance of ownership and trying to find out how can we make our dollars work for us because yeah. not just win on an individual basis. I didn't realize this. One of my SBA loans uh, we got, um, not through a traditional bank because I had credit challenge at the time, but we went through uh, uh, BBIF, which is the Black Business Investment Fund, right? And there's specific money earmarked out there for black businesses, but this untapped yearly because nobody knows how to go in with a profit and loss statement. 
-hmm. nobody goes in to show the statements what they're doing how is your business you know is it you know how is it is just organized through the state you know what i'm saying so these are different things that you can even teach them like yo this is how you do this nobody taught me that <laughs> i was a finance major yeah you know all this uh, financial models compare this to that but yeah. that, that that doesn't teach you you know life implications of how right. you can actually do things thank you so much bro thank you. no problem